Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finished podcast. Release date Sunday, the 25th of December, 2022. It's Christmas! Cunic and Benji, ho ho! And a ho 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 hello to all of you on Christmas Day! <laughs> ho ho! I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, this ho, ho, ho. is Big Finish! Ah. Audio books, tinsel, audio drama, crackers, and this podcast. Ah. All for the love of stories and Charlie Pollard's favourite plum pudding. Mm. Oh, 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 yes. uh, and at this happy time of year, we celebrate the newest writing talent to Big Finish. Nick Slowich is the winner of the Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trip Opportunity 2022 with The World Tree, performed by Lisa Bauman. We go behind the scenes. Following that, some more absolutely cracking listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Oh, they're amazing. Oh. In, in our also available segment, we revisit another Big Finish Christmas classic going behind the scenes with Paul McGann, Carol Ann Ford and Mark Platt. Christmas past. Paul Sprague short trips, Lisa Bauman. That's what I've written down here. Well, I was going to say, Christmas hasn't passed. It's today. I know. Well, it is. Of course, it won't surprise. It's a play on words. It it, it won't surprise. I wouldn't go so far as to attribute that to it. But um, it it, it won't surprise listeners to know that for us, this isn't Christmas Day. We're we're not recording this on Christmas Day. We're recording it, uh, I'm just checking actually, on Friday the 23rd of December. So Christmas Eve Eve. Yes, so if an enormous spaceship has arrived in the sky or alien Santas have taken over and and we're not referencing that, that's why, because because we're faking the Christmas Day thing. But I think this is the first time... Have we ever had a podcast out on Christmas Day before, Benji? It's a very good question. I certainly don't remember us doing so. Um, I'll tell you what, though. If I go to bigfinish.com, I might see if we have. Maybe if I just... Can I type in the date and it will show... Perhaps, surely it don't would. ask me, mate. I mean, you know, our website's a complete mystery to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I type in twelve twelve twenty five. Yes, yeah. we did. When was that? So this one would have been in twenty seventeen. Big finished podcast twenty seventeen twelve twenty five. Christmas and Georgia Tennant. Oh, that's when we were having sort of uh, star interviews. Were you actually in the podcast? Yes, so Nick and Benji have given up their Christmas day to be here with you, all warm and cosy by the fire, roasting chestnuts and anticipating a gigantic Christmas lunch, followed by Stilton, port, pickled onions and lashings of turkey leftovers. And if you believe that, you'll believe anything. (laughs) There you go. Yes, that sounds like me. Yeah, that's about right, isn't it? On brand. A sort of nonsense I'd trot out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I did. Uh, that's right. We did some really lovely interviews with various people and and had those playing over Christmas. Um, none of that this time. Nah. Um, I think I put Christmas past down because uh, Christmas, Christmas and Big Finish seem to go together quite well because Big Finish is a lot of it's about nostalgia and Christmas is about 
nostalgia, isn't it? Most people love Christmas because of their memories of it. Absolutely. What are your best Christmas memories? My best Christmas memories? I mean, they all blur into one. They, they, you know, it's, <laughs> they do, though. You know, it's just being with, it's being with family. I remember a lot of my Christmas memories go back to um, the houses that I lived in when I was younger, I suppose. Mm. You know, so... Uh, I remember. I often think of those, and yeah, I, it's a tough one. I mean, it's it's often. I tell you what, it was often my granddad sitting next to me for Christmas dinner. I always remember that was like so much fun as a kid. Him deliberately pointing at something to make me look away, and then stealing half of my Christmas dinner out <gasps> of my nose. Yeah, bless him. What um, kind of Christmas criminal was he? <laughs> oh, he was a good Christmas criminal as well. He's very. He used to. It was always like the day the day after. And he'd say, don't tell your granny, but let's go and get some turkey from the pantry. So we'd creep in. And of course, the first thing I would do after eating it is then go and tell her that he's been stealing turkey, <laughs> to which he'd get into trouble. It was brilliant yeah. fun. Um, wow. But, um, oh, yeah. No, Christmas. What about yourself? Any fond Christmas memories? Well, I suppose it's difficult to... Well, the main thing that hits me, talking of in this context of Big Finish and Doctor Who and all that, is that, of course, I had I experienced Christmases during 1960s Dalek mania. So I was one of those kids who, you know, uh, opened his... I used to have a pillowcase with... That my stocking was a pillowcase. <laughs> so bigger than a stocking. I always remember thinking, God, I hope it's not just a stocking. Their stockings are really narrow. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. And 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 finding lots of Dalek stuff in there. Oh. I never, I never got a Dalek suit, which I was reminded of my sadness about that when I just rewatched one of the extras on the Doctor Who season two box set, where, which was. They must have been very pricey, though. Yeah, me, me talking about how I was traumatized by not having one. Um, but you know, I had the the um, the Louis Marx ones and the and the the swap around Dalek ones where you could swap around their heads in the middles and all oh, that. Oh, yes. Yeah. I didn't have Rollerkin ones. I never got those. Yeah, I got um, Give a Show projector uh, slideshow, <laughs> and it, it, but it was a general one, but it had a couple of Doctor Who oh, uh, cool. slideshows in it, all of which are on the DVD, by the way. Oh, sorry, the, the Blu-ray release of the uh, second season of Doctor Who, or series two. Have you, have you, you haven't seen that box set, have you? They've got Peter Purvis doing the idents, and he says series two in a kind of way like he's correcting you for somebody, saying I saw somebody two. said this, that it's... He goes, series two box set. <laughs> and they go, not season. It's really weird. <laughs> Sit down. Um... <laughs> Briggs at the back. Yes, yes. I'm here to put the record straight. It's that sort of tone of voice. <laughs> Shining a torch Peter. in your eyes. <laughs> oh, stop doing that. Um. They've also got um, a whole clip from um, Blue Peter of, of Peter Purvis and Valerie Singleton and Leslie Judd and John Noakes being Romans. And it's on the Romans episode. I think I'm struggling to see the relevance. I know it's called the Romans, but why is there a clip from Blue Peter about Romans? Maybe it was I mean, around the same time. Maybe it was like no, the, it wasn't. It was much later. It was in the 70s that the clip they oh, show. How bizarre! Who, who I mean, knows? Why not? I mean, why not just show any program that's about the Romans? <laughs> it's just really weird. I We've think. also included Rome, the television series from 2006. 
Um, and also on the chase, there's there's some old comedy show clip. Have you ever seen that? There's a whole sketch called Hello, Dalek, which features a Dalek in the last two seconds of it. And the rest of it is... Uh, I'm supposed to be recalling my lovely Christmas messages. He's gone experiences, on a And now I'm just moaning about things that are on the, the, <laughs> the lovely Blu-ray release, which I've been really enjoying watching. Um yeah, so that's it. Me, Daleks, really. Christmas. Those are my fondest. I'm, I'm not surprised. Memories. And I'm a little bit disappointed every year that I can't recapture that. Yeah, well, maybe maybe it's not too late to get that Dalek suit. <laughs> you never I've know. I've been inside a Dalek. It's purgatory. Um, what um, has there ever been a Doctor Who Christmas Dalek special? Wasn't that one in the warehouse? That was New Year's Day. That was New Year's Day. Um, There's not been one, has there? The Daleks have not had a Christmas special. I think you're right. I might be wrong, but I think Maybe you're Big right. Maybe Big Finish should do a Christmas Dalek special. That would be fun. I want to spend my Christmas with a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, John Dorney will be writing that now, hearing the podcast. He's like, yes, <laughs> that's the he'll one. Have, he'll have a surreal take on that. It would be good to have Daleks at Christmas. When I think of Daleks at Christmas, I can only picture sixties Daleks, and maybe it's because you just talked. Maybe it's because you just talked about it. But I, I feel like there's something about that nostalgic. I feel like it has to be sixties Daleks, and I don't know why. I love those. Those ones from the chase onwards. Those those are the ones for me. They're my favourite Daleks. They um, I love. I actually love the original Daleks, the original. But the chase ones are. But like like I was. I like, like the like, slats. The slats are better. They are. But I do love. I do love the the. I don't know what you call if it's not got slats. The slatless Daleks. The <laughs> the metal strip maybe. I do like that, and I like bands, them because the metal bands—they—they don't they look smaller without the slats. The slats really chunk them out. Whereas they the, do. It's weird, isn't whereas, it? I mean, it—you know—not to to quote um, uh, Eric Klieg, it is logical, um, but um, it is logical for them to have slats rather than a satellite dish on their backs that yes. communicates them to the mothership, presumably. Well, that's—it um, was to draw energy from the atmosphere. And that's yeah. what the slats do, apparently. Oh, do the slats do that? So there's not mm. there's not so much of a solar input on them, like you know. Well, I don't know quite where they're drawing. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Somebody get the Dalek book from two thousand and three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's yeah. Well, maybe that's that's Big Finish's next job in our mini jobs is to do a Dalek special. Yeah, let's let's make that happen. Um, you know, as we mentioned in this podcast, it's going to be the latest Paul Sprague winner. And we mentioned last week about Paul Sprague, who worked for us for many years and, and sadly died very suddenly. Uh, but it's always lovely to mention Paul at Christmas because he was cra- crazy about Christmas. Christmas he man. loved He loved Christmas and would come into the office... <laughs> wearing his well he would come in in his normal clothes and then he'd go off to the loo and he'd come back wearing his christmas lounge pants <laughs> i've got my christmas lounge pants on you know and they had all sort of like reindeers and christmas trees on them, you know what david richardson would be going oh my god you go what what's wrong with that it's christmas isn't it <laughs> the fact that he brought them in just you know just to put them on just for the gag the, the gag in the spirit in the spirit of christmas 
It's just, yeah, great. So it's lovely that we've got, you know, a, a new winner of the Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trip opportunity uh, featuring in this. And also rather appropriate that Lisa Bauman is uh, reading it because Lisa is the be- beginning of Big Finish as well. You know, uh, she, when we started and we were just doing Bernice Summerfield and uh, Lisa got the job and we auditioned several other people and she got the job. And she's been with us ever since, not just as a performer, and but also as a director. And an amazing, you know, Lisa knows every uh, living British actor <laughs> and uh, has probably taken their photos. And she's, you know, cast some amazing people over the years, introduced great new talent uh, to us. I remember once, you know, she was, uh, she has a lot uh, of connections with Denville Hall, which is yes. the actor's... Uh, retirement home and she has you know in the past brought in people who were great film stars of their day and had them in big finish productions you know uh quite amazing so it's i have to be honest and say the reason lisa is reading uh the world tree is because it was meant to be my job and i just got so inundated with work and other pressures that i just couldn't do it and i thought and i i said to peter angelides the producer i said i'm just gonna have to let you solve this and when he said i've got lisa to do it i just thought that is actually better than me reading it i think that was a fantastic solution um and you know she always does an amazing job such a lovely voice to listen to in fact i can hear hold on is that a sleigh coming in with information about about this very release it's 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 the world tree hello i'm peter angelidis and i'm the script editor and producer of the world tree nick slawich has done a wonderful job with this debut story for big finish for the competition we asked the entrants to write a 500 word synopsis of their story and a sample 500 words of prose Uh, my approach as a judge was to read the sample first It's a writing competition, so being able to produce well-crafted prose is table stakes, in my opinion. And then if the prose seizes my attention, I look at the synopsis to see if it's convincing and original. Hi, my name's Nick Slowich, and I've written the Paul Sprague 2022 Opportunity winner, The World Tree. When I found out I won, it was mostly surprise. I know how many people enter to this opportunity every year, so it was shocking, especially seeing Peter Angelides' name pop up because I have one of his books on my bookshelf. And seeing that in my inbox was surprising at five o'clock on a Friday. I started out wanting to write a story where time was important. One of my favorite things about the 11th Doctor is that he's a character who throws time as a way of solving problems in a couple of different stories during, during his era on TV. And I wanted to try and capture that in a way that dealt with the idea of what would happen if the Doctor was the one who caused the problem and also had to solve it. And then it kind of built from there. The prose doesn't have to be the opening of the story, though in this case Nick chose to present his first 500 words, and they intrigued me from the start. You got an immediate feeling of place. Uh, You understood Nora's perspective and character. It was refreshingly free of cliché, and it had a cadence to it that I could readily imagine someone reading. Hello, my name's Lisa Bowerman, and today I'm reading The World Tree by Nick Slowich. I think I've only done one or two readings of short trips in the past, and that was a long time ago. So being on the other side of the microphone is slightly more challenging than I remember. I mean, you have to try and keep going, trying to keep the rhythm. But it's it's so, it's so such a lovely story that it was an absolute pleasure to be back here having a read. 
I enjoyed hearing it being recorded in the studio by Lisa Bauman. A few years ago, I wrote a Bernice Summerfield story for her where Benny was variously in her 70s, her 80s, her 90s. And so when I was looking for a reader, I knew who I could rely on to be the octogenarian Nora Wickers. I found Nora's voice when I was reading it. it obviously, it's set in the countryside in a remote spot. I mean, you, you could effectively choose any remote part of the country. But I suppose there's a kind of comforting side to the West Country accent. And I think she's a very sympathetic character, very well delineated character. I can see her pottering around her cottage in a proper cottage garden. It just seemed to fall naturally, really. Listening in on the recording was fascinating because you never see the effort that goes into it. You never get to see behind the curtain, as it were. So it's just really exciting to be part of that. I've enjoyed working with Nick as he completed the rest of the story. He's got a good sense of the relevance of what each scene is for, um, what needed to be in the dialogue and what could be in the descriptive prose. He also understands what makes a good short trip, which I think is a character piece that illuminates the Doctor and their world. And Nick also has a lovely turn of phrase. He's captured the Eleventh Doctor very well with his dialogue and actions, again, without resorting to any character clichés. I think everybody has their own Doctor, and for me it's always been the 11th Doctor, right from the first episode. So when it came to getting to write for 11, an important thing for me was to get those two aspects of it together, where he's an old mind with a young face, and he's also desperate to be the smartest person in the room. And I think having a story where it's him dealing with his own problem, a problem that he's caused, and also dealing with somebody who's dealing with the loss of stories that make up like such an important part of the 11th Doctor's story with the whole fairy tale elements from the fifth season and the idea of stories from like the rings of akaten and stuff like that having that as a theme that runs through a story and being able to touch on all of those parts in what is effectively a very short piece of work was a large part of the appeal of picking the 11th doctor for me i think any doctor who fan will enjoy this but those who especially love the 11th doctor will also note nuances that illuminate the era my advice for anybody entering next year's competition would be to try and make sure that you have a story that fits in the 5,000 words you get to tell it. If you try and stretch it out too thin, you're just going to have to cut things and it's going to absolutely break your heart when you have to cut out the, the best joke you've ever written. I hope this will inspire others to take part in next year's Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trips opportunity uh, by listening to the free download and by checking out the original submission with the sample and story outline and the studio script that we recorded. It's a very worthy 2022 winner, and our congratulations and thanks again to Nick Slavich for writing The World Tree. Big Finish Productions presents Doctor Who Short Trips, The World Tree, by Nick Slavich, read by Lisa Bowerman. Nora Wicker looked out into her garden and frowned, the bush with the red leaves sat in the middle of her favourite flower bed, a twisted little bundle of scarlet offset and out of place. She could remember the care she had taken in putting everything else into the soil herself, the twisting vines of honeysuckle, the bright sunflowers, the soft blue forget-me-nots. But where the memory of planting the bush might have been, there was just a hazy blankness, like the name of an old classmate beneath a long-faded school photo. No, it was more than that. The bush was new. She was sure of it. But how sure could she be, really? 
The hospital had told her that the little things she thought everyone did once they reached a certain age were only going to get worse. But she hadn't expected it to happen quite so quickly. Nora closed her eyes, testing herself, just as one of the doctors had suggested. But which doctor, she thought? His face came to her as clear as daylight. A small, bald man who always seemed to be in a rush. But his name had vanished. Today's date is August the 19th, 1987, she said out loud. It's a Wednesday. She checked the calendar on the fridge. None of the little boxes had anything written in them and hadn't in quite some time. But at least she was right about the date. She carried on. My name is Nora Elizabeth Wicker, born May 24th, 1911. My husband's name is Ernest Richard Wicker, born January the 7th, 1908. Died... She stopped herself there. That was enough. Her memory was obviously fine, and she didn't need reminding of that particular date. She wasn't likely to forget it, even if she lived to be 200. Ernie smiled at her from the framed photo on the kitchen table. He was leaning on his spade, his sleeves rolled up to his elbows as he took a break from working their little vegetable patch, looking as dashing as the first day she had met him. "'Looks like we're okay for now, love,' she said to the empty room. "'I must just be getting old.' The table wobbled slightly as she began clearing up her breakfast. One plate covered in toast crumbs, one knife, and the remnants of a single boiled egg. Getting old? Ernie would have laughed at that. No, she was well into old by now. The getting had long since been got. She really was going to have to fix that table properly sometime. Ten years on her own was long enough to learn how to use a screwdriver... She was sure Ernie's tools were still out in the shed somewhere, as neatly organised as they'd been the day he died. Yes, she could do that this afternoon. If nothing else, it would help take her mind off things. When she turned back to the sink, all thoughts of the rickety table disappeared. Through the open window, she noticed a young man in her garden. Just go to bigfinish.com and type the world tree into the search pane at the top to find this one. Meanwhile, as we settle down for more mince pies, what's it time for now, Nick? <laughs> Why, Benji, me old mucker, it's only listeners' emails. I'd love it if Father Christmas called me me old mucker. <laughs> Hello, me old mucker. What would you like from my lovely sack of presents? A big finish release, please. Uh, <laughs> Not some old muck. Me old mucker. <laughs> Just dumps a load of horse muck, reindeer muck on the carpet. It's very seasonal. Looking to get rid of that. I wonder whether reindeer poo is good for growing uh, plants in the garden. I don't know. And is it just is it like horse poo, or is it like rabbit poo? Who knows? Um, I don't know. In- probably like big. I can't believe we're discussing. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, what was it? I was watching the other day about people trying to get um, back in the old days, following the sort of rag and bone man down down the rag road. And bone! Exactly. Um, 
trying to get the poo from his horse. Because when I was a kid, the rag and bow man used to come around with a horse-drawn cart. That's how old I am. We just I used to find that, that thing you just did bands. then, that call-out, is so haunting. Because when you heard it in the distance, it was really... I thought it was always, it felt like doomsday was approaching. You'd hear this sort of hollering man in the distance, almost like the singing man. What a Christmas return. Yeah, um, but the problem for the people picking up the horse poo was that the horse was so regular in its habits, it was always the same house who got the manure. It was just always, they knew as well. Because it, because the horse always pooed at the same point <laughs> down the street. There was no there was no variation in it. Well, Fascinating fact. It is a good fact, and it's you know that you could we could set your watch to it. Uh-huh. You know, manure's at number five. That would pop out to get the milk. You know, um, I don't know why you get the milk at a specific time, but, but <laughs> there must be some method to that. Um, all yeah. I know is that you don't need to get your milk at a specific time today because no. it's the emails. You can send an email whenever you like, although sending an email at the mark of manure might be might be fun. Um, but if you want to, you can send a Christmas email, a post-Christmas email to Post. podcast at bigfinish.com. And that is exactly what Selim Ulug has done with the subject here, which is stout. I'm sure Nick's faces lit up at the prospect. Uh, dear Nick and Benji, curious how many of these you'll get. Cheers. Selim, who remains forever landbound. And it's a lovely picture of a Guinness. Very nice. To explain for anyone who hasn't been listening before this podcast, I did a couple of podcasts ago just randomly say, oh, I fancy a pint of stout. Please send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. And for those of you even more not in the know, if you don't know what stout is, how would you describe stout? It's beer. It's usually I, I mean, very you, dark. I always think it's kind of burnt beer, but it's not. But, but it's got a very, very dark, sort of quite bitter at times beer. Um, and it's like thicker. the Guinness. It, I'm not bitter. It feels it feels thicker, doesn't it? It's it, yeah, it, yeah. It's a little bit thicker. Certainly, Guinness feels more thicker, like more syrupy. Um, but it's very, very nice. It's quite a Christmassy drink as well. Anything's it feels a like Christmassy it drink, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, I don't Advocar. know. I've been having snowballs for the last few nights. Oh, very nice too. A snowball is Advocar and lemonade, folks. I haven't had any glacé cherries, so I put strawberries in instead. Well, why not? There are no rules. There are no rules when it comes to... I always think when you've Christmas... got a drink problem, there are no rules. Christmas drinks, it's port for me. I like a good port. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had some port yeah, the other day. Ported. We had some port the other day with each other as well, didn't we, actually? We did. Yeah, we did yeah. in that uh, pub, the Rose and Crown yes, near Blackfriars. We certainly did, yeah. Very traditional. I would just mention that Selim Ulug is a uh, former Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trips Opportunity winner. And that's why he said, who remains forever landbound. Little joke for me, because I read it. His story was called Landbound. And it was a third doctor story where the third doctor went off in a mood after the Silurians and went off and drove away to the coast. And he just got involved with a guy with a, a, a alien problem, obviously it being Doctor Who. It was a lovely story, and it was lovely of Selim to write in with some stout. So thank you for that. Very Christmassy of you. Although you didn't intend it to be Christmassy because you sent this email on the 27th of November. But we are catching up with a backlog. Christmas emails. licensing, Christmas licensing. 
Right, next up, uh, this is from uh, Elizabeth Fensin. Um, and uh, that's her second name. It just sounded like I just randomly said a weird word. I've never heard of that surname before. Anyway, uh, Rickman and Hinch. Uh, Benji's playing some very strange sound effects. Sound of some fencing. Oh, yeah, fencing. <laughs> um, will that actually come out on the recording? I don't think it is, no. Yeah, that was just in my cans, but very interesting. Uh, so, fencing, not fencing, as in fencing with uh, swords. Rickman and Hinchcliffe. This is quite interesting. Mm. Uh, maybe even um, more than quite interesting. You decide. Hi, I'm listening to the audiobook of Alan Rickman's diaries. We you know Alan Rickman, yeah. Lots of movies. And the diaries are called Madly Deeply. He famously did a movie called Truly Madly Deeply. And he mentioned seeing Philip Hinchcliffe, former Doctor Who producer, at the Odeon West End on the 23rd of October 1994. Rickman has to tap on the glass to get in and Hinchcliffe obliges. This is the first time I've heard someone mentioning Hinchcliffe without also mentioning Doctor Who. Thanks. Had to tell someone. Elizabeth. <laughs> I love that email, I love Elizabeth. that. That is, that is very cool, isn't it? We want more like that. People just need to, you know, you want to say something that's related to maybe Doctor Who or audio drama or anything Big Finish does, and you don't know who to tell. It's us. It's us. We're the guys. We're the ones. It's Nick and Benji. I have to say, I remember, I think it was at a Wimbledon a few years ago, and somebody spotted Philip Hinchcliffe in the in the in the audience at, at Wimbledon watching the tennis. <laughs> it wasn't the commentator, was it? No, no. And I think no. Uh, we all remember Genesis of the Daleks. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I wish that I wish that they, that was the case. It just completely goes off the, the tennis. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a personal favourite of mine. You know, not generally thought highly thought of. Planet of Evil. Um, but anyway, uh, oh, so, sorry, someone's just won a game. I don't know who it was. I was too busy at the final, the antimatter universe. <laughs> So I was, I, was, I was too busy talking about Philip Hinchcliffe to notice the winner of Wimbledon 1989. Um, but well, on that the, subject, Pyramids of Mars. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've started, so we'll finish. Um, <laughs> well, Liam Corner says here, Second Doctor versus Daleks. Uh, oh. Hello, Nick, Benji, and anybody else at Big Finish who may be reading. I'm emailing today because I recently listened to the Second Doctor Adventures box set released in July and it was amazing and being a fan of the Second Doctor in this set and a fan of the 60s era Dalek stories are there any plans to have Michael Troughton's Second Doctor face the Daleks in a future story and box set preferably one with the feel of the 60s stories like Evil of the Daleks Nick this could be the Christmas special yeah well, I mean, the Daleks do feature in that box set that you've just listened to, Liam, so I'm slightly confused. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are no plans... I think plans Liam's saying, them. is there any more? When will there be more? I, I'm sure there will be, because there's a sort of plot thread hanging from that box set. Uh, they're not featuring, spoiler alert, they're not featuring in the next Second Doctor box set, but uh, maybe we could do something for the one after that. You've got me all fired up for it now, Liam. Thank you. In your corner. Blimey. Roof, got the roof blowing around up there. It is. Is so it? I can't hear it, but I'll take your lucky. word for it. Aye, aye. 
Well, uh, in any case, I'm glad a new box set is scheduled to release next year, and I'm excited for whatever may come next in this range and from Big Finish in general. Keep up the good work and all the best from Liam. Oh yeah, I mean there there's some exciting news to come about that um, uh, box set, which I can't reveal now, but I'm very excited. We've just had a story approved by the BBC. Uh, oh, it's very good. It's very good. Very good. Uh, right, finally, because you've got an extra email in this uh, they say a podcast, this special Christmas Day <laughs> podcast. Um, this is from Mike Lacey. Uh, new ideas for the new year. Uh, dear Nick and Benji, you asked for some new ideas for the podcast. You remember I did? I said a you new did. feature. Yes, you did. Here are my suggestions. By the way, have you had any thoughts on suggestions? Well, let's let's hear Mike's and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll go forward. One, that. how about starting each podcast with the Loch Ness game? <laughs> the only problem is it's not a game. It's not about Loch Ness. And I think another podcast owns the copyright. Would you care to explain to people who don't know what he's talking about? Well, I mean... As Mike says, it's, uh, it's not a game and it's not about Loch Ness. You see, me and Nick, we had a, uh, a sort of, we had another sort of bit of a side hustle, really. Another podcast where we talked about uh, cult television and all the trials and tribulations of life out there. And it used to start with a game that we'd sort of, it's not a game, but a sort of, it's hard to describe, but basically, well, Nick. We started doing it by accident, didn't we? Nick. It's Christmas. Yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we have a game? I, how have a did, game. I can't even remember how it went. You start it, and I'll see if I remember. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good day. Good evening. Good Christmas. Um. Goodness. Lockness. Ah. There we go. Or Lochness. Lochness. Like yeah, we like to say Lochness. <laughs> well, we've, we've had a lot of people. So if that makes any sense to anyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it got quite a quite a following. A lot of people there coming up. A lot of people playing themselves. We had a fantastic. Uh, I, I was actually very very impressed because we we had a um, a group of people with a call where we had a, a Lochness game with them and these are Nessers they were patrons they, they were they? patrons and they're uh, we like to from call patrons. them the Nessers from all over the world and they 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 really gave us a run run for our money I mean these are, are well trained highly skilled Loch Ness experts um, as you can see it's it's mostly bonkers but um, but there we go some Loch Ness for you there Nick continue on with the email uh, yes Mike's next suggestion two food and beer pairings for big finish <laughs> stories you can put, pick a new, you can pick pick a new story each week or use the randomized electrotron pick and discuss what food and beer would go well with it I guess you could include wine to be more classy but I prefer real ale a good scotch or Irish whiskey would be nice too it's nice yeah um, well we could uh, we could do that with the randomized electrotron couldn't we we could also <laughs> Try to pair some food with it. Why not? <laughs> well, 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 today we shall find out. Today, uh, three. Uh, well, no, actually, we we don't have the uh, we don't have the randomised electrotron oh, today. Well. The randomised electrotrons um, gone to Lapland. Lapland. 
<laughs> the big finish pools. Listeners can bet on who will win the Loch Ness game and which story <laughs> will be a, the randomoid selectron pick of the week. Uh, profits can be used to fund the animation of missing Doctor Who episodes. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> uh, guest the guest. You can have a new guest each week, but their voice will be disguised using a ring modulator. <laughs> This is exactly what would happen in the 70s, isn't it? That's exactly what they would do. Nick and Benji can ask a limited number of yes-no questions in an attempt to guess their identity. (laughs) For extra excitement, the true identity of the guest can be revealed the following week, allowing listeners to bet on the outcome. C3. C3. Uh, Five, cannon fodder. Pick a new story each week and discuss whether or not it's canon. For extra excitement, listeners can bet on the outcome. (laughs) See option three. (laughs) Okay, these were slightly tongue-in-cheek. I'm glad they are, Mike, because I've been laughing at them. And uh, I would have hated it to get to the end of this episode, (laughs) episode, this uh, (laughs) email, and... um, you saying this is very serious and it means the world to me uh but that just means the podcast is pretty darn good as it is i give it 10.5 out of (laughs) 4.7 sincerely mike lacy now that's brilliant mike mike is echoing my previous attempts at uh, slightly ridiculing the um, uh, rating systems that people use for um uh, reviews uh yeah and I've I've been out of the habit of doing that, haven't I? Actually, yeah, have so I give that one hundred and three out of four point five. <laughs> there must be some kind of psych- psychological. There must be somebody writing down all the numbers that randomly pop into your head, and work out why you chose them. One hundred and three. Yes, yes. That means uh, yes, he had mustard last Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> Listen, uh, for the emails, that's it for this year. Thanks for all your great emails in 2022. I really mean that. Our next podcast will be on New Year's Day and we'll be in spacesuits in a space suite. (laughs) Play on words. Space suite. And now, it wouldn't be Christmas without us taking a look at one of our very best Christmas releases. Relative Dimensions, featuring the Eighth Doctor and his granddaughter Susan, and her son Alex. Originally entitled The Fish That Stole Christmas, we go behind the scenes with this 2010 classic. Relative Dimensions, written by Mark Platt and directed by Barnaby Edwards. We're here doing Christmas in August. It's always the way. I mean, even on the telly, if you, if you shoot a Christmas special, you always do it during the heat wave. some point in July. How festive are you feeling? Christmas-wise? Yes. Um, I'm not. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it's boiling in here. Yes, scene 12, page 5. Okay. Really? Yes. Okay. Come on, Alex. Are you sure that's him? Of course it's him. I told you he'd get here. Hello, I'm Barnaby Edwards, and I'm the director of Relative Dimensions. He just met the bus stop on the opposite side, that's all. Come on. One of the lovely things about this particular Christmas story is that, you know, it's about a family Christmas. The Doctor and his granddaughter, Susan, and indeed his uh, sort of great-grandson, Alex. And 
the, the family feel of it is further increased by the fact that Alex is being played by um, Paul's real son, Jake again. You got it, Jake? Yes. There's a sort of reality to the touching bits between them, and because, like all Christmases, you know, families fall out and argue and then come back together again and then team up and then all that kind of stuff. Having a father and son sort of actor team uh, doing that um, just brought an extra little zing to it. It was very funny because Jake every now and then corrected his dad. <laughs> Granddad? Alex, pass the sprouts, please. Uh, but, uh, Alex, pass... Alex, 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 <laughs> Alex, pass the sprouts, please. Alex, sprouts, please, please. Lucy. <laughs> My name's Paul McGann. I was born in Liverpool in 1959. My name's Jake McGann and I'm playing Alex. Alex, Alex. <laughs> I've forgotten how to act. <laughs> <laughs> you ever do that? It's like being in our front room at home. It's kind of homely. I think it's also because we're playing a family story. It's strangely, uh, it's strangely homely. It's quite nice, actually. Alex? Grandad? I need your help. Fishing trip by any chance? You must be reading my mind. Ever studied telepathy? Sorry, just guessed. Please be careful. I will. I meant Alex! They're bonding already. Well, Alex, being the great-grandson of my dad's character, is a bit weird, yeah. But I don't find it that strange. Because, especially with my dad, I mean, he's so different when he's playing Doctor Who. He's, like, you know, he gets so enthusiastic. Like, it's not that hard to just imagine I'm chatting to Doctor Who, you know? But, yeah, you know, it's good fun. Susan, there you are! And Alex! Uh, come in, both of you. You must be frozen. Happy Christmas. Caroline Ford, resurrecting Susan. Love the script. Uh, when I first read it, I thought, God, it goes such a speed. It's it's a very fast-moving one, this. Because I've done quite a few of Mark's scripts now. He is absolutely the master. Oh, the cloak that Aladdin gave me on Scaro. Scaro? Isn't that... Oh, I wish Grandfather hadn't done this. I didn't need reminding. He does research so fantastically. When he must spend so much time watching old videos or reading old Doctor Who magazines or something. But he does introduce or reintroduce so many of the sort of deja vu moments in this. It's it's just fascinating for me to suddenly think, oh yes, to be reintroduced to my old self. Oh yes, I remember that. <laughs> He's incredible. I'd love to be inside his head sometimes. Well, maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> Look, here's the little case the fish came in. Blitzenfish dried on quinis. Mm. Well, that's a big help. Hello, I'm Mark Platt. David asked me to do uh, do a companion chronicle for Susan based on the line in Beyond the Sun where Susan says, oh, you remember that? That's the planet Quinis in the fourth dimension, no, fourth universe, where we nearly lost the TARDIS. And, and David said, right, do me, a, do me a story based on that. So I put in a few sort of hints um, about wh- where the fish came from and, and uh, those should lead to the companion chronicle, which I have yet to, to write. That fish... It's like something I saw once, only much, much bigger. Years ago it was. A little dried air fish I bought at a bridge market on the planet Quinnis. It's a really exciting thing to be working with the first ever Doctor Who assistant. It really gives you a sense of the history of Doctor Who. You know, you can sort of feel those, whatever it is, 46, 47 years of Doctor Who weighing on your shoulders. And um, 
what's lovely about Carol's performance is that you know she's not playing the Susan that she was then because she's not that character anymore. She's had a son. She's lost her uh, husband, and um, you know she's playing a more mature thing. And it was it's a lovely sort of. She's got a very maternal streak now to uh, Susan in an entirely sort of believable way because, of course, she has her son, Alex. It's really lovely to, to sort of see that change in Susan. And yet you can, within that same sort of performance, you can absolutely hear and see the Susan that we sort of grew up with in the William Hartnell era. The younger Susan was very concerned for the welfare of her grandfather. And in a way, her son has now taken the place of her grandfather in her feelings of, of concern, although she's still obviously concerned when her grandfather gets into difficulties, but um, she seems on more of a par with her grandfather in this particular one than she was in the earlier ones when she was obviously his granddaughter and didn't figure too much in his scheme of things as far as the TARDIS was concerned. She's actually allowed to operate the TARDIS in this one, which is very exciting. Susan, don't tell me you don't miss it. The life of travel we once heard. Oh, look, of course I do. How could I not? But giving it up wasn't exactly my choice, was it? I'd absolutely love it if Susan went off on travels with the Doctor again. It would be absolutely amazing. But I should imagine it would be very difficult to write for. Because, as I said, with, with Susan now older than the Doctor, it would be a very, very odd thing to write for. I can't imagine how they'd do it. Well, I'd love to do it. <laughs> Grandfather! Oh, someone's on the warpath. Oh, leave it to me. Susan, what's the matter? Grandfather, you lied to me. What do you mean, lied? You promised the TARDIS would stay put while we were here. No trips. But we're in flight, aren't we? We've taken off. You've broken your promise to Alice and me. Alex and me. Alice. <laughs> Sorry, dear. <laughs> you broke... It's my great-grandson you're turning into a... <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention it. <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs> Counting the Companion Chronicle, this is um, the fifth story I've done with her because I did the two um, Unbound stories. But then that wasn't really Susan. That was a sort of alternative Susan. Um, it's only really once we got back to um, Earthly Child that it really was Susan, the proper one, albeit sort of Susan 30 years later or whatever. It's really interesting to explore her and, and how she's changed and, and how she's become less alien, I suppose, and more Earth-like. And uh, I think there's an awful lot to do because, because her relationship with the Doctor has obviously changed. And now she's got Alex as well, and that also grounds her much more. Um, she's much more protective, particularly when the Doctor sort of starts showing interest um, or actually sort of maybe taking Alex off on like a sort of um, a year out or something. I meant what I said about Alex, you know. One day the TARDIS will be his, but he must travel with me first. He has a lot to learn. <sighs> You're probably right. But shouldn't we let him be the judge of that? Alex has moved on. I think he's grown up about two years or something. I think he's come to terms with the fact that there's more out there. Surprisingly, he seems much more strong in this one. Considering what he went through, in his, in his first episode. Let me out of here. Oh, Alex, come here, darling. Get off me. Where's my mother? You're like Marion. You're another alien. This is your mother, Alex. Liar. And crazy as it may seem, the Doctor is your great-grandfather. You'd think he'd be a bit timid about it, a bit like he doesn't want to get in trouble, like he just wants to you know, get on with his life. But he seems quite acceptive of it. Um, 
as the story progresses, um, and he really warms to the Doctor as well. Uh, they end up, you know, solving a few problems together, and it's it's all very chummy, almost as if he could come back. Yeah. Alex wants to do this grand tour of Europe to look at all the architecture that's left. Yeah, all the historical stuff and. Lucy says she'll come with me. Hello, I'm Sheridan Smith and I play Lucy Miller. Doing uh, the Christmas show was fantastic. I loved it. We even had mince pies. We had mince pies while we were recording it, just to get into the festive spirit. But yeah, it was great fun. Lovely story as well, I think. It's really nice for Lucy and the Doctor to be back together, especially for Christmas after the last time. Christmas has to be perfect. (sighs) What, like last time? I know. I've lots to make up to you, so Christmas in the TARDIS. No alien invasions, no windswept monasteries. No hit and runs, no flatlining. I'm sorry. You deserve a perfect Christmas. Please. So it was really nice, and uh, and Lucy is doing her cooking, which I actually can't cook to save my life. Uh, and But Lucy seems quite good. I mean, I think she's a bit rubbish. She says her gravy has lumps and things. But she has a good go, and, uh, and it's a lovely... It's a lovely story until a nasty fish comes and ruins it all. Um, but it was great fun to record, actually. It was a really nice day. I am well aware of the danger, you know. That fish is destabilising the TARDIS's integrity. The TARDIS? How? All that leaping about in space and time. And if that's the future, if that's my future, then I'll have to face it one day. But Lucy, nothing, nothing will ruin my family's Christmas. This story features a giant sort of pan-dimensional fish, and you can sort of see that special effect happening on the television, but I think it'd be, it's much more effective in the story because Mark has written in a very clever way that you hear the fish uh, lots of times before you see it for the first time. And, uh, yeah, it's a very sort of exciting moment when it's revealed. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Certainly Mark was very keen to have that sort of visual aspect, and he showed all of us a picture of the fish which is a, a, a sort of lion fish it's a real fish but he that's his sort of uh, his starting point for it oh it's the frontal view oh i see wow carol i think works very very much in terms of the sort of visual references so she was really really excited to see the fish because uh, it's got all these spines on it and things like that that's amazing <laughs> oh boy thank you it is a sort of very visual story um but i always think of every big finish as a visual story Everything? Blimey. When we were recording it, we actually saw a picture of the fish in question, so we could really visualise it. I mean, it was a lot smaller, the picture, but um, <laughs> it was great to actually visualise it whilst we're pretending to see the doctor riding on the back of it and, and it jumping up and down around us. So it kind of, that really helped seeing the picture, so we had it in our mind's eye. Just go to bigfinish.com and type relative dimensions into the search pane at the top. Just before we go and get some turkey sandwiches, and I really am going to have a turkey sandwich for lunch. Lovely. I'm going to have a toasted turkey sandwich with with mayonnaise. Oh, yeah, and maybe a pickled onion and a pickled egg. Oh, I'm not not a pickled egg man, but I'm a pickled onion man. Well, I didn't think I was a pickled egg man, and then I had some. I'm not a big egg man, but I I am the walrus. Hey, well, anyway, Benji, any hopes? Uh, for the future in the space year 2023 uh peace on earth goodwill to all man um lots of good audio releases he's on brand i think you know lots of good audio releases um a chance to see more friends a chance to have more lovely emails and people some stout 
Um, that's probably about it, actually. I think I'd be pretty happy with that outcome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, there are all sorts of exciting things coming up with Big Finish that I'm working on. More first Doctor adventures, more second Doctor adventures, more third Doctor adventures. <laughs> Those are the the three ranges that I'm most heavily involved in. It's a weird job that I have but since I'm creative director and executive producer, but I think, you know, this is me justifying my job, really. I think it's important uh, for me doing this job, for me to understand almost every aspect of the creative side, because I'm a writer and a director and I can do sound design and music. Um, I can't do cover design, but I do do rubbish drawings for designers to... Uh, <laughs> to inspire designers <laughs> inspire in inverted commas so you know i feel it's important for the person who has the final responsibility for all the creative output of big finish uh, in conjunction with all the brilliant people i work with um you know to have direct hands-on experience of all the creative elements required to to make an audio drama and mentioning all the people i work with obviously um i'm looking forward to many more podcasts with benji Oh, and, and, and working working with Benji true. on he's working on the third Doctor Adventures coming up. Uh, always very love old. that. Very excited for that one. And just um, you know, without this sounding too syrupy, I'm honestly always taken aback by the sheer talent of everyone who contributes at Big Finish, and I do genuinely feel privileged that we have so many people people working with us who are so good and do such brilliant stuff i do make it a rule for myself that whenever something particularly impresses me about big finish out but whatever it may be that i contact that person by whatever means is easiest at that time just to tell them and so it's very random and unscientific and i don't do it enough because i'm so busy but i just uh, wanted all the contributors who may be listening to know you know how much uh all of us at big finish and particularly myself because i can only mainly speak for me are very grateful for everything you do and all the incredible hard work and all the heart and soul you put into everything you do for big finish i i can't think of anyone off the top of my head who just dashes stuff off and doesn't really care and you know that to me is the ideal to work in a company where everyone is dedicated and loves what they do and, and every, all of us will have our little moans about things that aren't quite the way we want or we didn't have enough time or we didn't agree with something that someone said but ultimately i think everyone at big finish you know does this for the love of stories haha <laughs> very on brand there uh, but it's true we do love it and and it's a privilege to work with you all so thank you I don't think I could have said that better myself, Nick. Phew. Uh, it would have been awful if you'd said, well, Nick, I'm now going to say what you said, but I'm going to I say just, it better. Can I just stop you there? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, let's let's turn on to you, listeners. Thank you so much for listening this year, whether it's to the Big Finish podcast, whether it's to, to Big Finish releases, or even those of you who just tune in if they see it, if we as a, a free preview part one free even those people that listen into that thank you all for for joining us in yeah. some way shape or form uh and let me also say this that this big finish podcast is presented by me benji clifford and him nick briggs thank you he also wrote produced and edited it that's true ho, ho, ho. and both benji and i did this 
for the, the love, love of stories. stories.